I edit stuff out that I say all the time. Like anytime I say something that sounds dorky to myself, I always edit it out. <laughs> and I'm going to be like cringe listening to myself. I know that's how I am too. I hate <laughs> listening back. I hate it. I'm like, it's done. We're just going to let it be. Many people associate obsessive compulsive disorder with cleanliness and organization. OCD, however, manifests itself in many different forms. From a young age, Amanda had irrational fears of hurting herself or others, also known as harm OCD. Now at age 18, she shares her story about how exposure therapy has helped her overcome her fears. My name is Katie Houston Davies, and this is Mental Illness and Me. Hi, I'm Amanda. I, um, I'm only 18. I have uh, four siblings and I'm actually a twin. And we are like two peas in a pod. We are very close. Um, I am a senior in high school and I'm still trying to figure out where I want to go to school. I haven't um, really gotten that far as to where I want to go, but I know um, I do want to go undecided and and hopefully maybe even something in psychology because this has been a huge part of my my life what a heck of a time to have a senior year that just is the worst yeah it's been it's very different but it's for someone who has ocd it's very nice (laughs) really so have you been doing remote school i have yes we are able to go in every other day but my sister and i decided it was getting very hectic and and, you know, the cases keep coming and going. So we decided to just do stay home for now, um, do school online five days a week. Great. And so you found that it's actually been working better for you that way. Yeah, I uh, paying attention in school is not always easy for me. So kind of being at home where I, I'm alone and there's no distractions, it's like I get so much done. It's it's been like the biggest increase, uh, for like participation and stuff for me. So that is, I was not expecting that, but it stinks not seeing friends. Uh, but it's only like half of the school goes one day anyway. But it sounds like you and your sister are really good friends. And so that probably helps a lot. Oh yeah, it does. We like, (laughs) it doesn't matter if I go to school or not. Cause I always have like my built-in best friend with me and we share a room, which sometimes helps and sometimes doesn't. But uh, yeah, we've definitely been gr- like grown really close during this, even all my siblings. Amanda, will you, I'm, first of all, I wanted to say I'm really excited to have somebody who's younger on the podcast. I think you're probably the youngest person that we've had. And it's really interesting to get to hear people in the different parts of their journey. And it sounds to me like you have an awareness now a lot earlier than most people get. A lot of people get all the way into their adulthood before they even recognize that something's going on. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty amazing. But I'm hoping that you'll tell us about what the mental illnesses are that you struggle with and how you believe they're related to one another. Um, so I, I struggle with OCD and ADHD. Um, I, I was, diagnosed with ADHD when I was about like 10 or 11 um, and OCD just actually like three years ago. Um, But I've known I've had it like my whole life. Um, I just didn't know what it was. And one of the things that I learned when I had OCD was that I had um, BFRBs, 
which are um, body-focused repetitive behavior. Um, and that is also known as skin picking disorder. Um, and I have had that as long as I've known too. So you said that it, it stems from your OCD. Is it that it's a way to um, soothe anxiety or is it that one of your OCD behaviors is to skin pick? Um, one of my OCD behaviors is to skin pick. Um, it's like the um, compulsion part. So obsessive compulsive um, disorder. So it is the um, compulsive part. So I have my obsessions in my head, all the thoughts, all the crazy stuff. And when I pick at my skin or any of that stuff, it kind of just makes me calm down and turn my head away from what I'm thinking, which I, I never knew that was what it was doing to me. But um, I think I started to know when I saw a video online when I was about like 11 years old, about once again, a lot, a lot happened when I was 11. Um, when I saw someone had suffered from skin picking disorder, but it's like a really new thing. People didn't really know about it. Um, so like, I, I'm lucky enough to have found a support group for it, which has helped a lot because um, it also worsens my OCD. It makes the you know, afterwards you feel horrible. You, I make scabs on my skin. I, uh, I don't like the way I look with them. Um, so finding a support group has been great, but it's only a newer found thing. So, um, but a lot of people who have OCD have noticed that they have this and you can have BFRBs without, um, even having OCD, but it's very common because it's a compulsion. It's often, we often find, or at least I've heard, on the show, I found it's rare that people just deal with one mental illness. Yes. They, so many of them lead to each other. Like a lot of people who have OCD might have depression or, mm -hmm. um, you know, ADHD oftentimes goes along with people who have severe anxiety. And it's just these, these different types of mental illnesses sort of feed into each other. Yeah. And the ADHD is, is always there, you know, it's hard for me to kind of, um, like figure out whether my thoughts are ADHD thoughts, like, you know, just hyper, hyper focused thoughts, or if they're OCD thoughts, more of like, uh, controlling and, and not real in a sense. Wow. So how have your mental illnesses affected your relationships with your family members and with your friends? It's, it's been a wild journey with that. Um, it started to affect, well, my family and myself at the same time. It's hard to understand for myself, like for me to understand because I was so young when this all got thrown on me. I was 11. There's that lucky number again. <laughs> and I kind of had this like mental breakdown. Um, I just, it, I think it was just all the, the wave of emotions that I was not used to. It was, it was too much for me. I kind of, it was when I first had my face-to-face -face experience with OCD, but at the time I was diagnosed with PTSD because of experiences that were happening, um, that my family thought, um, was causing my my fearness of myself. I was so afraid of myself and what I was capable of. Um, and that's something that I learned that OCD is not just being neat and clean. And it's also um, like 
thoughts that like, Hey, like I could go crazy right now. Like I could, I could go, if I'm in front of a bridge and you're next to me, I could push you, but it doesn't mean I want to. It's like those crazy thoughts that sometimes everybody has, but they push them away. Um, you're like, Oh, right. Like I could jump off this bridge right now, but I'm not going to, but then OCD minds stick on it and they're like, Oh no, like I'm going to do it. And that's, um, harm OCD. It's something that I've, I've actually, um, just started opening up to my family about it. Um, because it, like I said, when I first um, struggled with it, I couldn't put it into words and I couldn't because I knew that it was going to scare people. Um, I was having like panic attacks, which my family, like, I think that was, that was the toughest time was seeing them as I went through it. Um, but like little did they, I never told them like the thoughts that were there because it was like, it wasn't that I wanted to do them, but it was more of that my, um, my head was telling me that I was going to, it was like, Oh no, you don't have a choice. You're just going to do it. So like be scared and run away from these situations. I didn't leave my house for like a month. Um, in that summer because I was, I wouldn't go downstairs cause I was afraid of the kitchen anywhere. Like knives were, um, I wouldn't go outside or like in a car because like I felt like if I was in the passenger seat, like I could take control of the wheel. It was a lot of those things that people would think are like, oh, like that, like you're suicidal or you're, um, you just, you want to like hurt other people, but it's, it was never that, um, which is just like I keep saying is really hard for people to understand. But um, I went through like four um, therapists and I finally found one, the one that I have now, but it's um, at a CBT center and it's exposure therapy. It's like the most intense thing that like someone with OCD can do, but it's helped me so much. So my, my mom has always been extremely supportive. So our relationship has with my whole family, which I'm so blessed that they always like, she was like, come to if you ever need help, you like, we can get you help. Um, but then when they noticed how extreme it was, well, what it looked, it looked more extreme than it was. Um, I think they started to get scared and they were like, because I, I felt like I needed to be in a, um, in like a institution with OCD often want to do that, which I learned later. They want to go somewhere. They want to be put in like a psych ward or like stuff like that, because you feel it's the only way to protect everyone and yourself um, because you, in the end, you really don't, you don't want to do any of the things that your mind tells you. When I went to um, the OCD and anxiety treatment center in mm -hmm. Utah and did the five week therapy, one of the therapists there um, said something that was just so interesting to me. He said that the person he would trust most with his children would be somebody who had pedophile OCD because those who have pedophile OCD, which is the fear yeah. of hurting mm -hmm. a child, you know, hurting a child sexually or physically. He said, those are the people that are the least likely to ever do anything to harm a child. So he said, I would, I would hire somebody <laughs> to babysit my kids with pedophile OCD. No problem because you know, they are not in danger of committing these things that they think they're going yeah. to. It's, it's a completely irrational 
thought. I, like I could stand here and tell you like, it will never hurt anyone nor myself. But like tonight I could just be home and my head will be like, oh no, you're going to do it. Like it's, it kind of, sometimes I like think of it as like, you know, people who are schizophrenic, they, um, well, like the stereotype, like you think of, um, like seeing people or hearing things and, and hearing people telling you to do things. It It's similar to that, but it's just your own head. Like it's just you being paranoid of yourself. And I remember when I was going through that hard time year, like six years ago, I, I finally was like, my parents were like, let's try to go downstairs. Like, let's try to leave the house. And I was like, don't you understand? Like, I'm afraid of myself. Like it's, it's not, um, other people. I don't need to be like exposed and try to be around other people. It's like trying to leave yourself. Like you just want to run away from yourself because it's your own head telling you to do these things. It's I've trusted some people and opened up to very few. Um, I'm open about saying I have OCD, just not what type because, <laughs> because people get scared, um, if they don't understand, which is why like I'm doing this. Cause I want people to be like more educated on, on that. There's a lot of scary things out there, but like, and there's a lot of scary people, but we are not one of them. Like it's okay. How has your OCD and ADHD, how has that affected you in school? Um, it has been, it, it's been rough. It was really, um, school is always like a, a, just a tough thing because I love it so much, but, um, I just love like seeing friends and, and lunch. I don't know why, but lunch is just such a great time, <laughs> but it it's affected in a huge way. I could be, I, I'll be sitting in class and, and, um, somebody's like, somebody walks in the door and, and my head goes right to like, what if, like, what if I were to just run up and tackle them? Like, and then my head's like, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And, and I kind of zone out in those moments and, and it could be for like a minute or it could be five minutes, but I like, it's this, I don't even notice it, what's going on around me. I just notice I'm trying to fight myself. Like, like, no, it's not. And um, what I've learned from all my, like my uh, therapy, the CBT is that I have to like lean into those thoughts. So it's really, school can be a very uncomfortable situation. Cause I have to be like, Oh yeah. Like what if I did, you know, because that's how you're really going to get over it instead of running from it. But um, so those that's one instance. And then I I used to get um, panic attacks in school because lunch, it was like, it was overstimulating for me. I would just start to freak out. But that's why I like I've gotten on medicine to try to help with all the stuff that goes on in school, because it's, it's a lot. I also have something that's um, came along with me with OCD, which is um, sensitivity to sounds. And it's, it's really bad. (laughs) So, um, these, these sounds can be anything from like people making noises with their mouth to like, um, somebody just like scratching their leg or, um, like rubbing their eye. I don't know, like the weirdest sounds and, and what they make me feel is like all the 
it's like aggression. Like it makes like very angry. <laughs> and my poor dad gets like the bad side of it. Cause he like, he just does all these like, like allergies, like clears his throat and stuff. And I'll just like scream. And my family's like, stop yelling. And I'm like, I can't control it. That's also something that's horrible in school because I can't freak out. So I kind of suppress it and it's, it can just lead to me just not focusing the whole class. I'll, I'll read the same word. Say we're reading a, a paper in class. I'll just read the same word over and over trying to distract myself from the sound or the OCD thought. That's a tough way to live. That's a really tough way to live. Oh my goodness. Um, what are some of the exposures that you have tried? I'm just curious. I also did exposure therapy. These are so... When you do them, they feel so embarrassing and so stupid. <laughs> so I first started out with, um, we would, at the place I go to therapy, we would go by the side of the road. We would just stand on the side of the road. Um, and it's like right off of a highway, the building. So we would stand right by like the highway and just stand there and be like, all right, like look at the cars and be like, I could jump in front of that one or I could jump in front of that one we just stood there and I had to just not pay attention and, and basically say, I'm going to jump in front of these cars. And, and obviously I never did it, but it, your anxiety kind of goes up and then it, and then it goes down so much quicker than if you're like, no, 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 because you start to realize like, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, so that was one. And then another one was I just had to put a knife in front of me and just stare at it, like just stare at it. And, um, like as long as I could, because I always got scared with knives that I was like going to pick it up. Like I never did the dish dishes in the sink. Um, because I like my family knew to have me stay away, away from knives. That's the only thing they ever, they ever knew about my OCD is that not for me to stay away, just that I didn't like them. I didn't like to be near, um, them. So I would, either have to put a knife in front of me and stare at it or like help my parents and like make dinner and use like cut up all the vegetables. Um, those are like two of the big ones that I had to keep doing over and over. Um, and now I can proudly say I can use a knife just like I've gotten over my fear, which it took like four months. And then, and I can also, well, the, the one with the cars is a little different because that that comes up like if I'm at a train station, but, but now what I've learned is, is I just do the exposure wherever I go. So I could like, especially when I'm out with friends or something, I just say it in my head, like, Oh, you do that. Like you jump in front of the train or jump in front of the car. But because if I don't, then it's just going to, it's going to make it worse. I love that. Do you, yeah, just getting into the habit of just constantly exposing yourself to your fears. I, I actually had an experience the other day. Um, I, my OCD is, is called scrupulosity. It's like a, a moral OCD where you're constantly afraid of doing something morally mm-hmm. wrong. Um, and I, <laughs> this is a really funny one, but I don't drink. I'm also pregnant. And so I definitely don't drink, <laughs> but um I went into the teacher's lounge because I didn't have my water bottle with me at work and I really needed some water. And I looked in the cupboard and all I could find were like red solo cups. And I was like, oh, but if I take this red solo cup, my students who are, mind you, they're kindergarten through fourth grade. 
because I'm a music teacher and I'm like, they're going to think that I'm drinking beer. They're going to think that it's alcohol and I'm going to be a bad example to them. And they're going to sit there and think their teacher's drinking at school. And so my temptation was to not take the cup because of that, you know, and to find something else. But I took it and I used it. And so that's just like a small exposure to do so that the next time that happens, I don't have those same thoughts. Faith was was one of the first realize like realization now that I look back on um like that I I had OCD was when I was like younger and I would I would say my prayers every night. And I mean I would go on and on and on praying for like this street, I'd say like street names to make sure everybody was like getting a prayer. And then I go through like all the states and then all the countries and I would just do it until I fell asleep because like, I felt like if I didn't pray for someone, they were like, they were going to die and it was going to be my fault. By maybe like 10 years old, nine, I stopped saying prayers altogether because I couldn't take it anymore. It was like, if, if I said prayers, I was going to have to pray for the whole world. And, and now that I'm older, I'm realizing that like, I can still pray. Like, let me just like try to work on not feeling like I'm killing the whole world, you know? Right. Uh, One of my exposures was to say one minute prayers because it was the same thing. I kind of stopped Mm -hmm. doing it. I would avoid it because it made me feel too bad because I thought I'm, I can't remember everybody that I'm supposed to pray for. And I would obsess because I think there's so many people that need it and I can't possibly remember who they are and I'm too tired. Mm-hmm. And so why bother if I can't, if I can't get it all right, then why, yeah. then why try it all? You know, it's, it's very discouraging. I think for people who are religious. And again, I think it makes people want to give up in, yeah. on religion in general. And, you know, everybody mm-hmm. has a right to do whatever they want to, but when it's such an important part of your life, they, they told me at the clinic that a lot of times OCD attacks the things that are the yeah. most important to you. And so my OCD distorts that thing that I value. The thought that my OCD is uh, like focused on most of the time, like obviously when I'm out, it's, it's on who random people, but, but my family, it's constantly um, like what my OCD attacks and, and I value my family over like everything, you know, it, it, breaks my heart to think of all the suffering that you've had to do. But I also think, wow, how amazing that you got the help, the exposure therapy, the CBT, that you got that now in high school. It wasn't until I was, um, oh, 23 that I started um, seeing a therapist regularly. And then it wasn't until just two years ago that I went to this treatment center. And I just think about the time that I spent sort of wandering and suffering and not understanding. And honestly, for me, I had a really hard time dating. Um, I didn't get married until uh, it's my one year anniversary is tomorrow, actually. And I'm, I'm 37 years old. So I really do believe that it was finding that clinic two years ago and learning how to control my guilty thoughts about myself, you know, and it made me have such a bad self image because I was never, never meeting up to my own expectations and being able to finally accept myself. I feel like that really opened the door for me to be able to have a meaningful relationship. And so I, you know, and I, I wouldn't change any of it. Um, but 
at the same time, I think it's so fortunate that you've found this specific kind of help now. OCD is one of the hardest things to have and try to make relationships, whether that's friendship or um, like with another like love relationship. <laughs> um, it's, it's so hard because you're, mind kind of likes to go towards people like you like or something, you know, um, just like how it does towards family or religion, or it likes to stick on the things that you care about, like you said. So when, when you care about someone, it, it's not very friendly to them. Right. And it, it sort of makes you to come across a lot of times as Mm -hmm. clingy, um, and obsessive, like, you know, obsessively checking your texts or, obsessively calling to find out where they are and things that are, it makes it sound like you are possessive or controlling or seem that way, but really you feel so much anxiety Mm -hmm. that something could go wrong that, that you are just filled with intense fear and, and calling or texting or things like that can sometimes alleviate that fear. But what it does is it pushes you away from that person and it, it's not who you are but it is what the OCD is doing. And it's so frustrating because then I think people, at least this is my experience, but I think sometimes men would think, okay, I cannot deal with this woman because she is too needy. (laughs) I don't blame them, (laughs) you know? So this kind of is a good segue. What have your mental illnesses taught you? I've learned a lot. I just never liked myself because of, of my thoughts. And I'm finally... I'm glad I learned since I was younger, um, like when I was younger about having these mental illnesses because I was able to like, like myself and love myself, um, where it takes people like a long time. And I was able to see that, you know, I always try to hide it, like hide that, Oh, I have this or I have that. But, but I learned that, you know, to not be afraid because if somebody doesn't accept you or if, or the way that you are, then why do you want them in your life? Or why do you want that? Like I was, my OCD head brain was thinking, and just like a normal brain today with this, I was like, wait, I started to freak out. I was like, what if, what if somebody finds this, so, you know, technology is advancing and what if like a job, I want to get a job later and they find this and they say, we don't want someone who, who fears that they're going to jump off a bridge or kill someone. Like we don't want them. But then I was like, why would I want to work for someone who didn't accept me because I was different? You know, like once I, I found out I had OCD and and how different it was than what I thought it made me, look into other disorders, not that I thought I had just, just trying to like educate myself more because, you know, I, I got into this group, um, for people who have OCD and it it was all different types of OCD. And it just like amazed me how, how there's, you know, you see somebody and you're like, you judge them. You're like, I think this person is weird or annoying, or I think they're pretty and nice. But like, you don't know who they really are. You know, we just, and especially being in high school, it is absolutely horrible because, you know, people just label you and it's like, 
you're this, you're cool, you're a nerd, you're, you know, all those stereotypes, but, but we don't get to see who people actually are because a lot of mental illnesses are just underneath, you know, you can't see it. And I've lost friends because of that, you know, they just kind of wanted to climb the show social ladder. But, but I, I realized that like, if somebody judged me for being anything, it would hurt so bad. And I don't like how that feels. So why judge anyone, no matter what they are, just because we're different, you know? I think that being able to put a label on the OCD and being able to Mm -hmm. learn what it is and what it does, it really helps to separate ourselves from the mental illness. Because I think that a lot of times people with OCD really see themselves as see themselves as being screwed up or being crazy, like you said, or being, you know, like if anybody found out the things that I was thinking, they would think I was a horrible person or whatever. And when you realize, wait a second, this is an actual disorder. This is something that is uh, in my brain that I can't help, but I can treat it. Um, then we're able to say, okay, this isn't me. This is an illness. It's a disorder. You are not your thoughts. <laughs> I want, I want to help um, people like learn that, that you can, you can take care of this at a young age. So what has been your experience with medication? I think that some people think that medication um, is like, makes you not yourself. Um, Cause when I tell a lot of people that I, once again, not a lot of people, um, but certain people that I'm on medication, they're like, Oh, like, does it feel like you're like a different person? Do you feel like a zombie? But no, it, it, for some people, it could make you feel that way, but you have to find the right medication. And it's taken me years. I mean, I've been on, on so many different kinds of medications, like just trying to find the right one. But once you finally do, it just, it helps you. And it's not, it's not like this. Oh, I noticed such a difference, but it's more of like, you know what? It was a little easier to get through the day than yesterday. Um, and I think a lot of times people who want to take medicine are looking for this, this huge change, like, oh my gosh, I don't have any more thoughts anymore. I'm never worried. I have no anxiety, but, um, it just kind of helps makes life a little bit easier. I don't recommend, um, just being on medication because you need to be working while you're taking medication, like doing like therapy, like trying to fix the things because medication will not just fix the problem. At least it has never done that for me. And I've tried and I've failed miserably, but it has made the biggest difference being on both. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. And I have been told that before by professionals, it's about trying to find the best combination of therapy and medication to help you have the best quality of life possible. What final words of advice or encouragement would you like to give to those, especially those who are younger? To people who are in the beginning of their journey with mental health, it does get better and it is going to be long, but it does get better. Um, And there are so many things out there, like just research. There's so many things um, like groups and, and um, therapy and, And just resources out there to get help. Like if you aren't getting the support at home, just look out 
go online. That's why the internet is so amazing because there's so many different resources out there that you can just try to get help for yourself. Um, and those who can't get help, um, meaning those who just don't once again, have the support at home, like talk to friends, like talk to people, um, like really find someone that you trust to talk about it because it it will do you no help holding it in but to right. those who who were just trying to learn about mental health like you know i encourage you to keep doing so and never um never uh look at people and judge people for what they have because there's so many things out there and i bet you someone the person who just walked by the street had something you had no idea existed 